0: I'm Maverick Peters, and this is Money with Maverick.
1: My name is Matt Kirby. I'm a managing director at Hamilton Capital, and I've been here 16 years. been a financial advisor for most of those 16 years here. Uh, Hamilton Capital is a registered investment advisor, and we're in, based in Columbus, Ohio, and we serve clients all over the country. As of right now, in addition to serving clients, I am the head of our wealth management team.
0: All right, so I'm sitting here with Matthew Kirby. Matt, Welcome to the podcast. I want to talk about a couple things in our conversation, but the first thing I want to talk about is getting financially organized when you're a newlywed. There's so many things now to worry about, right? Before you were making an income, putting something away to savings, maybe you had some kind of investment portfolio, whatever that might look like. But now that you're married, there's another person and there's a future that you're planning for. So with everything going on, right, there's taxes, there's investments, there's retirement plans where do I start? What is the first thing that I have to do with my spouse to get organized and to stay organized?
1: Yeah, Maverick, thanks for having me. You know, I think the first most important thing is you independently have financial objectives when you're single, and now you're going to have shared objectives with your spouse or partner that you're that you're living with. So the first thing is you want to get financially organized. So you want to find what assets, what liabilities, what income does each party bring to the table? Uh, So that would be step one. And then step two is making sure that the objectives that you may have had prior to coming together, that they're still the same and that your partner knows what those financial objectives are. It's a combination of understanding what you guys are bringing to the table financially, but also what objectives you have that you're bringing to the table together.
0: Okay, so that being said, how should couples view finances? I know that we talked before the mics were on that some couples don't talk about it and just one of them handles everything and that's not so good. How should they view it? What does that look like practically?
1: Yeah, what I have found, what's actually worked well in, in, in my own marriage is that there is a consistency of actually talking about your financial situation. Whether it's weekly or monthly or quarterly, actually having a conversation and communicating with your partner on what you believe is happening financially, challenges that you have, wins that you guys have together. Actually communicating about finances is something that a lot of people don't prioritize. And so it ends up being one of the last things that you may talk about on a Sunday night after a long weekend or on a Thursday night after kids are going to practice or whatever, make it a priority so that there's a shared understanding. Each partner should be actively involved, even if it's just a little bit. So you may have some that really like kind of the long-term thinking or the big picture thinking, and you have some partners that really like the day-to-day of balancing a checkbook and making sure bills are paid. So if there's kind of a shared understanding of what roles and responsibilities each partner may have with the financial
0: household, that typically allows someone to be actively engaged. So whether it's once a week, once a month, maybe a couple times a year, it's important to have that conversation. Right. Should that conversation be with a pen and paper? Should it be verbal? I know that there's mobile apps that are out there now and websites. What's the best way to discuss the financial situation between a couple? Whatever platform you are using to keep track of your financial
1: situation, most banks, mobile apps, are very sophisticated and they offer a lot of different tools. You know, mint.com as an example, allows you to kind of budget and keep track of your financial assets. A lot of people use spreadsheets. So I think the, the, the first thing is how are you actually keeping track of all of the financial inputs and outputs that you have? So one would be a platform that you're both familiar with. Um, and there's a lot of mobile apps that are really, you know, really helpful for this. And then depending on the frequency of how often you're meeting, because this is what I do for a living, um, I'm the one that generally prepares for a conversation with with my wife and I make sure that I'm asking her some questions ahead of time. And then when we get together, you know, really we're talking about a few things. What do we have over the next three to six months that are critical from a financial perspective? the longer term objectives that we have agreed upon, how are we tracking the progress towards those? Whether it's paying down debt, whether it's investing, whether it's saving for children, whatever objective you have, monitor your progress that you're making along the way. Because when you actually hit those objectives, it's fun to celebrate. You know, you almost can look at managing your own money as kind of like a little game. You know, A lot of people find it kind of challenging to talk about because not many people love talking about money, especially with your spouse, if you're asking, if you're asking great questions of each other, you know, really kind of making it as fun as you can make it, it ends up being a more enjoyable conversation.
0: When it comes to prioritizing what's important, is it the same questions that we should be addressing each time? Or over time, are those questions gonna change? Over time, the, the questions
1: likely change. The questions likely get a little bit more complex. Most people view finances as a relatively complex topic, especially those that haven't been educated. Uh, with school or didn't have a lot of guidance from parents or mentors. And so it can be an intimidating conversation. And so I think everyone needs to start where they're comfortable. And as you learn a little bit more about what works, then you can get into more, what could potentially be more complex questions depending on how the priorities change.
0: When a couple gets married, they both have their own set of finances prior to getting married and their own assets. What do they do to properly merge if they're gonna you know, have a joint financial situation? How do they merge in a healthy way?
1: You know, it's interesting. Our My
0: experience is that
1: there's a few different ways. Most people end up having a joint bank account. Whether there's a dual income or not, that's where a majority of the income goes. And that's where you spend rent mortgage, all of your kind of shared expenses, whether it's grocery bills or utilities. but a lot of people like having their own their own money that they can you know buy clothes with or something for themselves. And so what a lot of people do is they'll have their shared expenses but then they may also have a little bit that they can spend however they wish. What my wife and I personally do is every dollar goes into a joint account we're very open about what we're spending our money on. The challenge comes when you have an anniversary or a birthday and you wanna spend something that may be outside of the normal scope. Um, And you just gotta work through kind of what's the best way.
0: I actually, I I just assumed that it's best to merge all of your finances, all your assets. Is it better to have a joint account? Is it better to share everything or different strokes for different folks? I think it's different strokes.
1: I would say a majority of the time people do merge. People merge bank accounts; they have joint bank accounts. Although I have seen people that keep separate bank accounts, they just pick and choose what things they're covering from a from a household perspective. And for those folks, that works for them. You know, as long as you're kind of being open with the money that's coming in and what you're spending the money on, that typically leads to a much healthier financial discussion with a partner and avoids the surprises that that nobody likes.
0: Um, let's talk about long term. Again, under the umbrella of staying financially organized. You know, for the most part,
1: the first step in kind of building out your long-term wealth is making sure that you have what a lot of people call an emergency fund. If you break down your bank accounts as your checking account, that is your day-to-day, money comes in, money goes out, that would be your kind of your first bucket that most people have. The second bucket would be your emergency fund. And this would typically be three to six months of your monthly expenses set aside in a savings account. So this covers car expenses that come up, house expenses that come up, medical expenses that are, that are really unplanned expenses. That's the first step. What I typically recommend people do with the second step, assuming that retirement and education and, and savings is important, is if you are in a company that offers a retirement plan, I always say the next step is to save as much money into the retirement plan so that you get the automatic contribution from your employer. So a lot of times that's 3% or up to 5%, where if you put that amount of money in, you get an automatic three or 5% matching contribution from your employer, which is 100% return on your money. And I think a lot of people don't do that soon enough and they prioritize doing other things, but that's really 100%
0: dollar for dollar return the second that you make that contribution. So that's generally your first step. If I apply for a new job and get hired, if that never comes up in conversation, do I assume that they don't offer it or does every single employer have that kind of agreement? So a lot of times it's something that's part of kind of the benefits package that is
1: provided. But there are sometimes with small companies where um, you may need to ask. You may need to ask the question and just make sure that you understand what the matching contributions of a retirement plan are, uh, assuming that it's available.
0: What can couples do to ensure that they build a solid foundation for their financial future together? Whether it's a committed
1: time to discuss it or it is just in passing, when you're with your spouse, it's just being very open about how you're feeling about your financial situation. Um, What I I think happens a lot of times, especially people that don't have a good sense of where they're headed financially, is you just shelve the conversation because you don't wanna have it. And the second that you shelve the conversation and you don't bring up how you're feeling about your financial circumstance, whether it's good or it's bad, or everything seems to be going okay, is the second that there's a little bit of pent up angst or pent up anxiety. And so I think just being just being open about how you're feeling about it, you know, making sure that you understand how your partner feels about it is is probably the most important thing.
0: So if we seem to have a good picture and a good idea of where our finances are standing, where our money's coming, where it's going to, is there ever a time or what is the time when we have to bring in a financial advisor?
1: Our view is that a lot of people are not experts in their own personal finances. And they're experts in whatever field they have chosen to devote their time to. There are some people that enjoy it uh, and enjoy personal finances and they have dedicated the time and they have the skill to be able to do it themselves. But there are a lot of people that don't. And if you don't have those three things, the knowledge, the skill, the time, or the desire, then you're probably gonna need somebody to help you know most people find themselves wanting to devote their time on the things that they really care about and a lot of times people don't really want to devote their time to being an expert in their own personal finances and i think that's that's probably the time where seeking advice
0: becomes valuable it seems almost logical that in a generation, in an era where there's so much knowledge and information at your fingertips, you'd think more people would want to learn about it. But then again, we come to that idea that money is very taboo and very difficult to talk about. So obviously you'd have to bring in a a financial advisor.
1: Well, I think there's there's a difference between getting the assistance that you need and hiring a financial advisor. In the past, you either hired a financial advisor or you did it on your own and doing it on your own, you didn't really have a lot of tools at your disposal to help you do it on your own. This day and age, there are plenty of apps, websites, resources that individuals have where they can really educate themselves and get guidance from, you know, it doesn't have to be an in-person financial advisor. There's a lot of resources that are that are available to people that give you the advice that you need, but you don't necessarily need to engage a financial advisor that is going to take you from A to Z on every financial decision you make.
0: Can you recommend tools that might make you, so to speak, obsolete? What would you offer that the tools wouldn't offer?
1: Any um, FinTech innovation, which is, you know, in essence, financial technology, which includes AI. Any FinTech innovation is going to make some jobs, I, I don't know if obsolete is the right term, There are things that computers can do now that people did before. And I think any industry it's very similar. When we used to build financial statements for our clients, we would use spreadsheets. Now we have technology that manually updates that for us. And so it makes us more efficient and allows us to serve clients better and, and do better things. And those are available to our clients as well. When it comes to making personal financial decisions, Most people would say it's difficult to rely on a computer because what they don't feel or see or understand is that personal finance has an emotional attachment to it that computers can't help with. Now, you could argue that AI is going towards being able to emotionally understand. uh, But I think until we get there, I think people are going to rely on looking someone in the eye and seeing if they're going to trust them or not.
0: Especially with something as important as their own finances.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Hey, before you go, thanks for listening to this episode of Money with Maverick. If you enjoyed the show, share it with a friend. And remember to meet me over on YouTube to catch my video summary series. You can send me an email at moneywithmav at gmail.com. And for more fun content, visit at moneywithmav on Instagram. Catch you guys in the next one.